the information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Okay, Resetters, I have an incredible interview for you. So I want you to meet my next guest, Diane Kazar. She has an incredible story of toxicity that every woman needs to hear. She is, her her story starts with the fact that she actually was a professional soccer player. She was a competitive athlete who became a bodybuilder and then decided to get breast implants and became very sick very quickly. And what I want to point out in this interview and why I want you to hang in there through the whole interview is that her story is actually many women's stories, whether you got implants or you are using beauty products that are toxic or you've had Botox. She goes right to the root of the mindset that is leading us to toxic beauty and the toxic beauty products that are leading us to our health problems that we are now considering to be normal. We're labeling as menopause and weight loss resistance, but they all started from a culture that has encouraged us to look a certain way. And this is such a powerful interview, don't you think, Jess? Yeah. Well, especially for this time, I think of our life where everything, I mean, media is so big, we're stuck scrolling on Instagram and comparing ourselves to other people, especially as women, especially as young girls that have access to, you know, this amount of information that we have available to us now. Yeah, she talks... Yeah, she talks in here about like all the programming that happens to women yeah. that make us for that, that I would say force because we not even are subconsciously make us make decisions around our health that are dangerous because we're trying to look a certain way. And we don't even realize it. Like I had my own ahas in listening to her talk. Yeah, just the programming of what we're supposed to be like or what we're supposed to act like or what we're supposed to look like. And that we start to talk ourselves in to this like mythical ideal person rather than addressing our own, like what we individually want, what we individually want to do, how we feel about ourselves. Yeah, we've always, lost touch. We've lost touch. Yeah. 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 And so I, you guys really, this is a, is an interview that I feel like every woman should hear. Definitely if you have a daughter, every mother yes. of a daughter should hear this. You know, I wish I had had this conversation when my daughter was really young because the programming piece of toxic beauty is so important and she's very vulnerable. She's very real and she'll explain how this programming really led her to make decisions that that got her very sick. Mm -hmm. So and then she'll talk about how she unwind. She started to unwind that and how she's on a healing path 
So, you know, if you're in menopause and you're struggling with your hormones, if you're weight loss resistant, if you're having trouble sleeping, if you're like out of answers for what is going on with your health, this is one of the more comprehensive podcasts we've done that will help you start to put your own puzzle back together. So Diane Kazar, this was incredible. So enjoy Resetters. I hope this touches you as much as it touched us. Okay. Let's start with this question. I actually didn't know this about you, and I've had several conversations with you, that you were a professional soccer player. Yeah. Did I I miss that part of your story? Is that (laughs) It's not something, I mean, it's part of the bio, but it's not something I'm like, oh, hey, I was a pro soccer player. It's a big part of why, like your personality too, like something pisses me off. And I think I want to go slide tackle the source of the toxic information or, you know, the push for vaccines. I'm like, I want to go slide tackle Bill Gates so hard. So Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely a big part of my journey. Still that competitive athlete that wants to like win against the dark. (laughs) Yeah. So, and and just to fill in our, our listeners, we are going to dive into toxicity. Like I can't wait to pick your brain about, you know, beauty toxins. And we're going to talk about, you know, the, the process of getting breast implants and getting them out. But what I love is really the person that went through this journey is so important for us to all to get to know. And as an athlete myself, I was a collegiate tennis player. And yeah. um, I actually wanted to be a professional tennis player. And I don't, I got lost somewhere along my dream and didn't end up doing it. But what I do know is that the mindset of an athlete is a really interesting mindset and you never lose it. Even when the athletics are over, you keep carrying that, like you said, that competitive driven mindset and it shows up in other areas of your life. And, and well, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's another, there's a shadow and the light side to it as there is everything. I don't like to label things as good or bad because that's really a judgment of our ego and how we were raised and perspectives and personalities um, and projections, but shadow or light, like a shadow decision that I made to compete air quotes was to get breast implants because I was a bikini competitor and I was 10% body fat and I didn't have anything. I was looking down going, Oh, I don't look like a woman anymore. So that was kind of a shadow side choice that I chose to betray my body to fit into this, what other judges would deem as perfectly shaped or symmetrical, you know, sexy, beautiful, whatever the case may be. But I still found the light side in the end of it with the message that I got from my breast implants, which the message I got from spirit was, do not remove your breast implants until you have learned the lesson that you got them to teach mm. you. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So, okay. We're, we're going to dive into the breast implants in a moment, but I have to just point out that the athletic body typically isn't one with large breasts. So if you were, if you were a pro soccer player, like when you were playing soccer, having large breasts just in general was probably not to your advantage. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I was probably about that time, and I'll be totally candid throughout this whole interview about you know. I Go have for it. Yeah, I have pictures in my book of what my breasts look like before, and then what they look like with breast implants, and then after. Because a lot of women are really programmed to want to look like what we have been programmed to want to look like is what is defined. But yeah, as a as a as a professional soccer player, as an athlete of all kinds, I was about thirty four C ish. 
but they were sagging and they were like, they were falling up kind of cleavage was coming apart. And then they were gone when I was an athlete, 10% body fat, 135 pounds, five foot seven. And so, yeah, as an athlete, it's like, we're not really taught that in our programming that it's okay to have smaller breasts as an athlete. We're yep. taught that, you know, you need to look like a woman and a woman has double D's. I mean, watch Baywatch, watch Pamela Anderson. Come on, so girls. True. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. And you know, I, so I was a tomboy growing up and I played little league and was the only girl on the little league team. And I just loved sports and I actually chose tennis because the only role model out there that was feminine and athletic was Chris Evert. Mm. Remember Chris Evert? Mm-hmm. And so as a young, impressionable, like, you know, 10-year-old, which is about when I decided to choose to pick tennis and not be the tomboy that played uh, Little League, mm-hmm. is I was like, well, she's beautiful. She's like feminine. And she is, she is an athlete. So why don't I pick her? And then fast forward to the World Cup when we were actually at the finals of the World Cup where the with Brandy Chastain and Mia Hamm where they won. And I remember having this like moment of looking at these incredibly athletic women that were also incredibly feminine in it, the way like I looked at it. And then Brandy takes off her shirt and shows, yeah. you know, her bra. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, if I had grown up with that as my role model, you know, I probably would have played soccer. I would have done something different. But I do think there is it's it, there is something about mixing the athlete with the feminine that is wasn't around in younger years but is now a, more prevalent and uh, i don't know if you feel that yeah i i totally agree with you there's i think we're swinging that pendulum right because i'm 41 right now and and i played against brandy chastain too it's oh did you, you? That. yeah he's um, my son's he's my son's soccer coach no way! Like right yeah, now? so yeah, so oh actually, I actually oh interact with her a lot. I'm trying to bring her on the podcast, but she's the the nicest human being. Yeah. She is so emotionally intelligent, and she yes. is just a freaking rock star when an athlete. Yeah, she is. She was older when I was playing, and I was younger. I played with Megan Rapinoe too, who most people know is like the yeah. number one scorer in our. Uh, women's World Cup team now. I played with her for about six years. So I, I had the fortunate gift of playing with a lot of these really high-class athletes in California, Northern California, where you yeah, live. You know, I was right. in Sacramento. And so I was in the Bay Area all the time. That's where I was playing against Brandy, actually. And so, yeah, when when my mom was a child, that was 40 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of sports for women. And so right. there was like this transition point and you are part of that, Mindy, because you're like yep. 10, what, 10 years? Yeah, I'm 10 years older than you. I'm 50, yeah. I'll be 51 in October. Yeah. And so yeah. we're both Libras, it sounds like. Well, maybe. Nice. <laughs> yes. Best Zodiac sign out there. Yes. <laughs> the transition where you were, so you're in the 50s. I'm in your 50s. I'm in my 40s. So you were the transition point where women just started to play sports. Mm-hmm. And so there, it was more of the, the manly role in the athletic capability, agilities. And so you guys really paved the way for mm-hmm. us to step into the role of athlete and it being more acceptable. And then the, what, the layer after me, who's Megan Rapino, it's like, wow, talk about empowerment to be anything that you want to be mm-hmm. in there instead right. of it just being like a super, you know, really butchy masculine thing is that I noticed there was a lot of that when I played pro soccer in Germany in Hamburg. Uh, for the Bundesliga, there was many women there that, you know, appeared like and moved like masculine energy. And so, yeah, I think right now it's not just because you play sports 
that you're masculine. You can still be feminine and strong. And this is like that warrior archetype energy that I believe that we need right now for women to step up, especially the times that we're in. Absolutely. Oh my God. That is such an insightful moment because I never looked at it that way. It was like my decision 10 years before you came into the sports world, you know, was if you want to be athletic, then there you probably, you know, what is, where does the feminine fit in? Then your generation comes in and it's like, you can be athletic and feminine. And now that the, the generation, what I'm hearing you say is like, you can be whatever you want. You can be yeah. feminine. You can be masculine. You can be a badass woman who is a great athlete. And you don't have to have a persona that's necessarily feminine or masculine. You be whatever you want, which is really cool that we're moving to that to that place. So, yeah. so okay. So tell us, you left soccer and then you went to bodybuilding, which... Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> what was I thinking? What? Like, that has to be the, like, talk about cutting your ego down. Like, yeah. what is it like to be a bodybuilder and what attracted you into bodybuilding? Yeah, I, it definitely was a lot of ego. I would say extremes, highs and lows. When you're a competitor, there's just this drive within you that wants to always be the best. And I think that that's what also makes me a powerful coach too, because I can see where someone and feel where someone is holding back. And I have the, the emotional sense and the empathic skills to know how to nudge them. You know, do they need to be nudged this way or this way? Because everybody's motivated, inspired. You know, there's four different types of personality archetypes. There's the driver, there's the amiable, there's the expressive, and then there's the analytical. And I learned that as a financial planner in my 20s. So it's like, how do people like to be inspired? Instead of doing it your way, you observe them and, and, and help to motivate them. So when I sold my financial planning practice at the age of 29, I moved down to Southern California, Orange County. And oh my God, I, whew, I just moved away from there too. And I moved to Sedona, Arizona. <laughs> oh my God. Talk about culture shock going from Orange County to Sedona. You know, you go from this super competitive plastic competing, needing to be seen to super spiritual and connected with the planet and really wanting to do what's right to save Mother Earth, our home. And being outdoors versus drinking and competing and being on yachts and things. So there is this there is this pressure, like this sense of pressure that I felt around me. And I'm not blaming it on that because I caved into it. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like you are a product of your environment. So my environment was I, I've always wanted to, you know, continue on my athletic abilities. So I still always played soccer. I ruptured my Achilles tendon last year at the age of forty, which sucked. I saw you in the boot. So right after I removed my breast, yeah. Mindy, so I. Oh, did, interesting. I know. I put it in my book too because you know, I talk about a lot of this stuff in my book, Killer Breasts, which Mindy awesome. will put some links below. Yeah, so you guys I'll, can get. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'll put links in because this is a book that needs to get out to people. Yeah. And Mindy has, you know, you guys get the book and you get a ton of bonuses and stuff included in that. So, you know, don't just buy the book from Amazon, follow Mindy's link. I I ruptured my Achilles tendon about six weeks after I removed my breast implants. And we could talk about that later as a little side note, because there's a lot to hear about this. But when I moved to Orange County, I still wanted to stay athletic. I've always been a gym rat. I love the gym. I like, that's my meditation. That's where I like to go inside and just, Mm -hmm. that's my me time. I don't go there to be seen and compete. I just go there because I feel like it channels my inner strength and manages my brain and my mental acuity, my sharpness. My I get a lot of downloads, spiritual downloads that I can share, creativity, 
dopamine, norepinephrine, all the things, you know, serotonin. Totally agree. And, and it's underutilized. So I, I went there, I started going to a gym, I started personal training again, because I've always done a little bit of that on the side since I was 17. And I got my body to this place where I was like, wow, like that's really got really strong here. Like what happened? And I was training with this guy who trained a lot of the actors for the movie 330, 330, what is it called? really strong warrior guys. And I thought, what am I, what can I do with this body? I'm really strong. Do I can, do I do a competition? Do I, you know, do outdoor trail events? Do I do like a warrior, whatever that's called a warrior training? And he said, Oh, you can start doing some competitions. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, what does that look like? And before you know it, I was sponsored by metrics and I was doing big bodybuilding competitions. I qualified for nationals. And then I just allowed myself, I allowed myself to get sucked into how I needed to shape and mold and cut and mask and fit into this space that says, here's what defines beauty. Here's what defines strength. Here's what defines a first place winner. And I lost myself, Mindy. I, I lost myself. Yeah. I, in you bikinis know, I, and blingy bikinis, clear heels, standing on stage, the lights. I lost myself. I have so much to say on that topic. I, you know, I did the opposite move. I grew up in LA. I actually grew up in Malibu. I always say that I was blessed to grow up in Malibu. And then I got a tennis scholarship to go to University of Kansas. So to go from LA to the Midwest was like, whoa, this is totally different. And when when I was done with school and moved back into LA, I looked at LA with new eyes. And I had a very similar experience as far as I, I had an aha moment. Like if I stay here any longer, I am going to start to live what I would call an outside in life. I'm going to care more about my car. I'm going to care more about my looks. And so we actually, I'd met my husband at the time, we gravitated up to Northern California because I was like, I need out of this environment so that I can ground myself. So I totally hear you in that story. I'm like, oh man, I know that culture. And I can't even imagine adding bodybuilding to that where nobody cares about your spirit. Nobody cares about yeah. your what kind of a person you are. You are just being judged 100% on your body. Yeah. And that would, that would eat anybody up. So Yeah, it did. And it did. I, I, and the thing is, is I allowed it. And I'm grateful for it because I don't believe that we can know what to do in this life and who we really are until we learn who we're really not. So that allowed me to strip away the layers of who I thought the world needed me to be so that I can get needs met, which are, you know, approval, love to be seen and to really be a part of something. I, including the listeners into this whole story, it's just because this is a story about my bodybuilding and my soccer. This is a journey about us all. This is a story about how we all shift shape and surrender and people please to fit in so that we're not abandoned so that someone will just love us and someone will just see us as beautiful or tell us that we're beautiful because right now it's a very tumultuous and seemingly unsafe world. And we just want to be safe, you know, primarily as women, we just want to feel safe. We want to feel secure. We want to be loved and know that we're acknowledged for the effort we're putting into the work we're doing in this world. And I got it there, but it was very superficial. It was very short term and it almost killed me. Yeah. And I thank you for making that point because I think if you're listening to this to understand that for Diane, it was about, okay, I'm competing and then I decided to get breast implants, which again, we'll talk about in a moment. But for other people, I will tell you as a 50-year-old woman, 
uh, several of my friends are like, I'm getting Botox. I'm doing, um, I'll get a facelift if I need to get a facelift. Like I will do anything I can to slow the aging process down. And I feel like it's as women, we are, we are more powerful than that. We, we should show up in a bigger way than just look at me, I'm beautiful. How about we show up in a way of, look at me, I'm capable of so many things. I'm capable of contributing to the world in, in ways beyond my beauty. And then if I want to be beautiful, I can be beautiful too. But I feel like we've, we, for women more than men, we are really taught that our biggest asset is either our looks or not our looks. Yeah. Do you feel like that's true? I don't know how much I'm going to let it talk about this stuff and you can edit it out later if you'd like. Go for it. Okay. You know, conspiracy theorists and people throw out that term and it's just annoying to me because a lot of things that have been talked about are actually happening. There's something called MK Ultra, and you could look that up. And yeah. it is an actual system program design where they take famous leaders in the field of entertainment like TV shows movies, magazine ads, performers, makeup artists, and anything and anywhere in between where women are, young women, it starts at a very, very young age, are taught to idolize. You know, Miley Cyrus and Mm. Taylor Swift and Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. At a really young age, you know, Disney brings them up so that we young girls are idolizing these women. Mm. And then we're like, oh, well, that's what beauty looks like, right? And then these young, these women, so that if we're five and they're 10 or 15 or whatever, we look at them and then they're 10 years ahead of us. So when we're tw- you know, 10, like you said, right, they're 20 and they're starting to mature and they're independent and they're starting to shift their shapes because they're paid to a lot of money to, and they have surrendered their soul so that they get paid a lot of money in order to shape shift so that we then idolize them. And there's a lot of research on this. So you guys can go down a pretty steep rabbit hole to see how a lot of this happens. Yeah, I I totally believe it. What did you say it was called again? MK, like Michelle Kayser. That's my name, Diane Michelle Kayser. (laughs) Um, MK Ultra. And, you know, like Lady Gaga and people, they end up having their own makeup lines. And then in these makeup lines, they're extremely toxic ingredients. Yep. And their faces are, they spend two hours on one image in these magazine ads, but we don't know these things. And right. we look at JLo and I mean, I'm not saying these people are terrible people, but it's just, it's been their choice to be the, the stage for yep. what is beauty. And we are so afraid of dying, so afraid of aging that we literally, like you said, we will go to the extremes and poison our body dying to be beautiful and to be drop dead gorgeous. And it's it's literally programmed into our pineal gland. And so all we're thinking is, I need to look like that. Look at how much fame she gets. Look how much money, look how much attention. That must be the formula. So I got to keep up. And it costs us a lot of money and it costs us our life and our health. And it's not even a conscious decision because it's been implanted through media. And so you, like, I can cry listening to that. It's, you know, one one of the the most enlightening experiences for me has been raising a daughter and Mm. really making conscious choices of how I wanted to raise my child. I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure I didn't 
always give her praise for, oh, you look so beautiful. Yes. Or, and so I read a book early on when she was young that was said something along the lines of the same things you're saying, where remember our children are watching like Cinderella. And yeah. in Cinderella, they say that you're waiting that, you know, she, literally she's waiting for the prince to save her from the evil stepsisters. Yes. And so the book went on to talk about, like, if you have a daughter, talk with your daughter about, like, do you need to wait for the man? Why was she doing that? I remember Sleeping Beauty having a conversation with my daughter and saying, I wonder why she can't wake up without a man. I, it seems like maybe there would be another way to wake her up just to start to create different implants into her brain. And she had this, this yeah, right, no pun intended. Yeah. She has, she still has this gorgeous blonde hair and she had it when she was really little and we would be in the market and people would stop and go, oh my gosh, your hair, you're so beautiful. What a beautiful little girl you are. Mm. So she kept getting all this reinforcement. And every time somebody would say that, I would jump in and say, and she's really smart too. And she's an incredible athlete too. And she's really creative. Like I would just put another thing out there so that it didn't get her brain. It warped. But man, when you raise a daughter, how society wants to do exactly what you just said. And if you're not conscious of it, now you've got somebody who's in their 20s or their 30s and they're still looking for that outside validation and suffering because they don't realize they were conditioned to look for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is such a big part of the work that I do with my clients. And it's the reason why we have so much healing where women have tried, you know, and you hear this all the time too, Wendy, it's, or Mindy, it's like, I have done everything. I've done the labs. I work with all the doctors. I've done all the things, the detoxes, the cleanses, the supplements, the, all the things, right? I've yeah. meditated with monks and caves and whatever. They've done extreme things. And I applaud you all for your persistence. What a lot of people have not gotten, and this is by no one's fault of their own, is how to sit with yourself and really question, how was I programmed? You may have heard the love languages and there's all different kinds of things that you could research. I start that with my women as like, let's get some awareness of who you think you are and who you think you need to be. In other words, you're programming. Right. And then as we dive deeper with the work that we do with them, they get to discover and uncover through cleansing all the toxins and trauma, chiseling those all away and finding out the core of who they really truly are in their heart and their soul and the mission that they came here to serve in the world. And then, then they can feel free because mm -hmm. they're chiseling away little prison bars every time. I have a whole image that I share. It's, it's the 10 prison bars of the perfection prison, I call it, which is mm -hmm. how we've all been programmed. And I admit, like, one of the greatest challenges that I've overcome in this lifetime is that I got a lot of praise when I was younger from my father and also being a professional athlete and then a bikini competitor. I was always seeking to be the best. So I got a lot of praise and I got a lot of praise as a young child and, and my love language became words of affirmation. Yeah. Mine so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it, and you tend to give what you want, right? Yeah. It's so, so true. You give what you think that others want because you project that that's what they want because that's what you want. And then you look through the lenses of your own eyes and project that onto others, assuming that that's what's going to make them feel good. But some people see words of affirmation as seductive. And so maybe there's this touch. Those five love languages are really fundamental thing that I walk my clients with, with their partners to apply it then to their, their children or then to their, their people that they work with, their bosses, their parents. 
you don't just give people what they want or what you want. You give people what it is that makes them feel good. And so words of affirmation becomes mostly women, mostly women like words of affirmation mm-hmm. and then men become touch usually. But then of course there's the other ones too in there. And so I became someone who felt loved when I was getting words. And so mm-hmm. I got programmed that way. And I've done a lot of work to not only just accept that, that that's how I was programmed and that's okay. And that's not my fault, but also to express that in my partnerships or whomever that Hey, look, it feels really good to me just to, to be praised for something I've done good that, that I'm trying to do to help you and to teach people to express gratitude and to see the things in life that they may not have even noticed of like the flower on that tree. Maybe you're just too filled up with a fight that you had or what someone's not doing for you and you can't even see the flowers. So it's starting to understand yourself and communicating what it is that your love languages and your needs are so that you're not trying to prove yourself all the time and just getting that food that you're not realizing on how you're programmed. It's okay. It's all okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're programmed this way. And that's all right. You just communicate it to people. And then that's how you find your matches in life. And that's what it is. You speak your truth, speak your voice, and maybe the thyroid disease goes away. Wink, wink. Right. (laughs) Well, but I I love what you said about women and going back to let's look at your programming before we start to teach you how to detox or before we start to teach you because the, the way that I've phrased it before is a lot of people will come to alternative health. But when they come, they bring the mindset of conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. In conventional medicine, it's one problem, one diagnosis, one pill. And if, though, if that pill's not working, I try another pill or I try another doctor. When you come over to alternative medicine, it doesn't work like that. And you just gave me another layer of like, let's look at your programming because it, I can give you all the supplements you want. I can teach you the fanciest diet but I can teach you how to fast. But if your programming is that you need to look like you're slowing the aging process down or you need to have bigger breasts or your waist needs to be a certain size, then that needs to be handled first. I think that was just beautifully said. I, that was amazing. Well, thanks, so, Mindy. Yeah, so tell me how... There, there's a story here about how you it wasn't just the bodybuilding that made you want to have breast implants. It wasn't just the programming, but there was a trigger. There was a photographer that made a comment to you. Yeah. And, I, and I think we all have those moments that you make a conscious decision because somebody says something to you. Talk a little bit about that. I appreciate that. That's such a powerful experience. You know, those moments that are the ones that you hear someone say something and you either say it to yourself inside or you say it out loud like I did. It's like, oh, that didn't bother me. If you have to say that it didn't bother you, then oftentimes it means that it really is. And so I was like, oh, screw you. So what he said to me, I was out at my very first photo shoot when I became a bodybuilder. And I, at that time, was 10% body fat. And I was all proud of myself. I was just getting ready to do my first show. 10%. Hold on a second. Not healthy. Did you have a period? Did you have a period with 10% body fat? No. You know know what was stupid back then too that I was doing? And I'm not saying I was stupid. Notice that I'm not shaming myself. I just didn't know better. Ladies, please hear me out when I speak like this because I don't want you to continue to talk to yourself the way that you've been taught to talk to yourself, which is 90% of our thoughts are limiting beliefs and self-sabotaging. So this shame root is the deepest one that we all must address. I was doing Depo Provera at the time. 
which is a birth control and it's progesterone, artificial progesterone. And I didn't have a period for like eight years. I thought that was so cool. Uh, not so healthy for you. Yeah. So I wasn't having a period for a long time anyway. And then I got a Mirena IUD, five, the five-year IUD, and that felt like it was going to kill me. Took that out in two weeks. Then I got the 10-year IUD, the copper IUD. Kept that one in for about four years until I was noticing my health decline. So I have a lot of history with a lot of bees and there's 10 toxic bees in our lives, birth control, Botox, breast implants, the, you know, the bully within, beauty toxic products. There's all kinds of things. I talk about this in my book too. And awesome. I will in my second book because the emotional component of this whole journey is what a lot of women don't realize. But anyway, I'll go back to my, my point here is that I was at this, this shoot and definitely not having a period. <laughs> and he's like, Diane, if you want to make it in this industry, you're going to need double D's. And I was double like, D's. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> I was like, double D's. I don't even know what that looks like or feels like. And I was like, Hey, uh, okay. And I just said, okay. Or something. And I let him keep taking pictures. And then he said it again. And then I ignore him again. And the third time he said it, I, I swore, <laughs> can you just shut the front door uh, and just take the pictures, please? I really want to feel comfortable here. And by that point I was feeling very uncomfortable. I was probably really rigid. I was not feeling appreciated for my body the way that it was. And I text messaged my cousin and said, hey, I'm in the forest at this location. I'm not really sure about this guy. I finished the, the photo shoot, but what never finished is that seed, that weed, I should mm. say, that got mm. planted in my ego and made me feel inadequate. And I started looking around and I started noticing that the women who were winning their pro cards or who were on the cover of Oxygen, because he said that if you want to get in the cover of Oxygen magazine, magazine, you're going to need double Ds like the rest of the women who are competing. And obviously, if I was secure within myself and loved my body as it was, I would have been like, screw you. And it really wouldn't have bothered me, but it did. And so I would also like to add to that, that I don't think this guy's a bad person. He's also been programmed too, you know. That's a good point. Men have been programmed that women that are hot and sexy are the 36, 24, 36 some guys like the duck lips now. And you guys, this is no, I'm not judging anybody with this because I was this for a Mm -hmm. long time. Mm -hmm. I am not judging my former self either. I'm very kind to my former self because I was just doing my best Mm -hmm. and I'm grow. I'm stronger now because of it. So yeah, when he said that it only took a a couple of weeks before I started literally air quotes, shopping for boobs, looking around at what looked proportional in women's body and asking them questions. Do you have saline or silicone? And did you go under the muscle or over the muscle? Who was your doctor? How big are your breasts? How do you feel about them? And I eventually decided to get boobs. And I thought I was high on life for a good month. I was like, wow, look at everybody looking at me. And oh, started, people looked at you different. They did, but it, they looked at me with the attention of wanting me for a different reason other than looking at me like a goddess. But back then it was any attention and I, was, I wasn't very secure with myself. So it was like, and you, you think differently, right? I was a pro soccer player. You think that I would be so confident, <laughs> but right. I was in one area, but not in another area. So yeah. I really learned self-love through this journey because I sold my body out to be what I thought that men and the, the competitive world needed me to be. Crazy. And I almost got sick. I got really sick from the very moment I had my breast implants. Crazy. What, what's it like to shop for bibs? 
You, how do you pick? How do you pick them? Yeah, right. <laughs> I just have the ones God gave me. I don't. I, don't even, I actually, I have a friend who I love and adore, and their son wanted to transition into a woman, mm-hmm. and she was over at our house a couple months ago, and she, and she has such a good attitude. She said, "I never thought I would be vagina shopping with my son." And I was like, I have no, I, 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 my heart goes out to you. I have no idea what that experience would be like, but I applaud you for being so open and, and walking through that journey. So I have no idea what it would be like to pick your own boobs out. Yeah. It's so cool. You're pulling these things to the surface because people are wondering. And yep. what I was doing is you know, the first thing that I was doing is, okay, looking at the woman and how they fit in her body. And if they looked real or not, or if they looked too big and obvious, and then, you know, if I felt really comfortable, I'm like, can I feel kind of how they feel? Like, do they, because I wanted to feel if they felt like they're fake. You have like samples? Like, are you yeah. touching them on other women or like they have samples in the, in the doctor's office? Yeah. So like people who are my friends, I was comfortable asking, can I feel, you know, how yeah. these feel and how they, and I watched how they moved on the woman. Because I didn't want these big cantaloupes just chilling over my heart. <laughs> yeah. So when I went to the doctor's office, I actually said I went in there and I wanted 350 cc's. So I did some research on proportions and things. And then I got convinced into, which this is where I pedestalized a physician and surgeon to know more than I did, which is a part of the prison bar they talk about is, is putting people on a pedestal that you perceive no more than you. And as a result, you sell your own wisdom short. So she said, no, you you probably need like 500 if you want to fill in this cleavage and this and that, that I said were my goals. And so she showed me the difference between a 350 and a 500 when I felt them. And she's like, this is saline, this is silicone. We don't really use saline anymore. We mostly use silicone. And this is 10 years ago. And so I said, okay, you know, 500, that, that makes sense. I still had friends that were guys that were trying to convince me otherwise, but I was so hell bent on forming this cleavage because I got shamed in my high school years that my cleavage was too wide. I got shamed that my breasts were, one was bigger than the other one. And so really the biggest weed plants began in high school when I was shamed by men for not having these perfectly proportionate breasts that they see in Playboy or wherever else. Crazy. Like cleavage. Like why is cleavage like held up as the gold standard is crazy. Yeah. It's definitely a lot of porn addiction out of all of this brainwashing. And a lot of people are struggling with that. And a lot of people are struggling with that in their relationships too, because it desensitizes the true meaning of lovemaking. Yep. So, okay. So you got talked into the 500s and (laughs) you, the day of the surgery, are you elated? Are you scared? Like you, I mean, that's a, you're going to go in with a, you were a C cup and you're going to come out a double, did you come out a double D? At the time I was more like, like a wrinkled, like I had more of my breasts were not filled up. So you know how they measure C cup based on your width as well. Right. So yeah. I was probably more like a B just because I lost so much volume and I was really excited. Uh, I didn't tell my mom, I felt like I was hiding, which that sucks because I don't like to hide from anything. And if I'm hiding from someone, and I teach my clients this too, we don't hide from other people. We hide from these stories of who we think those people want us to be or need us to be to get approval. Mm. And so I was hiding this part of myself 
which is really me hiding from another part of myself because one part of me was not happy with another part of me. So I didn't tell my mom. I told my dad and I went in and had a friend drive me in and had a friend pick me up and take me home. And then I had some friends bring over soups and things. And I was on the the Stairmaster a week later. Happily, or you were pushing yourself onto the Stairmaster? Because I've seen people with with plastic surgery, they can't move for like weeks. And I think, oh, nothing's worth that. No, it's not. I I really abused my body for a while. And I, I was still really, I had my mind fixated on being the best first place, winning the championship game, which was really that same mindset that I carried over from soccer onto the bikini stage, the bodybuilding stage. And I met some really amazing people through that journey. So it, it wasn't a bad experience. It was just bad because of what I was making it. Right. And it was the judges and the politics and the drugs, the bodybuilding drugs, the steroids, the diuretics, the yeah. fat burners. I mean, I could tell you stories for days about all the things that I did in a short period. The second show that I actually qualified for nationals for, I hadn't started cheating yet with my breast implants or you know, trying some of these other things, but just when you see what you see about these women who are bikini competitors or on Instagram, uh, and I'm not saying all women, it's not a blanket statement, but for many of them, I know a lot of them, I've worked with a lot of them and a lot of them have done heroin and won the pro card. Mm. They have done really extreme drugs in order to win. Mm. And they get so addicted to these drugs, but really they're addicted to the character and personality and archetype of who they think they need to be, which is the strong woman who has made it. They, they're yeah. seeking some kind of approval. So for me, I wasn't even in the world of all of that when I went into my surgery. I wasn't aware of that. I was just doing what it took. Right. And then, you know, from that point moving forward, a week after I got surgeries, when that was when my health decline began and I had no idea and I never would have thought to put anything together, which is why I wrote this book. So, you know, I, I, again, my brain is like, I have so many thoughts. It's, I feel like I'm having a discussion <laughs> with somebody that I've been dying to have a discussion with, and I didn't even realize it. So, <laughs> and, and let me tell you what, what showed up for me as you were talking is in our resetter world, we've got all these people that are fasting and they're losing large amounts of weight and they're doing incredible. And one of the discussions that's come up amongst my team is like, we should do more pre and post pictures of people who have had really great success. Mm-hmm. And I realized just now, as you were talking, I'm like, I really hate pre and post pictures because of the reason that you just talked about where I want people to be healthy because they feel amazing on the inside. I don't want people to be healthy because I and, and be, feel good about themselves because they can put up a pre and post picture. I want them to feel good about themselves because they have more energy and they like how they fit in their clothes and their self-esteem goes up, not because they're getting accolades from the outside world. And I, I teach my resetters like throw the scale away. Let's use the blood sugar reader and because that outside validation is like a drug yes. that you can that you are addicted to and you could spend your whole life not getting unaddicted from it. Absolutely. So how did the world teach you differently? I mean, what now you literally overnight are walking around with bigger breasts. You got more looks. Did you get more dates? Were you dating at the time? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is such a funny topic. Because, yeah, 
I did. And that was 10 years ago before dating got even more weird. <laughs> right. Um, Dating's, dating, yeah. even in 10 years, <laughs> like the difference of dating from your generation to mine is like, we don't even have cell phones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the last year, it's gotten more weird. And so right. I just was like, oh, this is a lot more hypersexualization. I noticed on the dating apps and I got completely off about three months ago. And now I'm with a, a boyfriend who I adore. Last time I did an interview, I was with another one who I adore too. So I, it's just lessons and learning and there's no shame in that. I was getting more dates and I I don't remember 10 years ago, but I do remember the last three years, a lot of emphasis was sexual energy. And, you know, I look at my, I do love looking at astrology and I'm a Libra Scorpio and I have six planets in Scorpio. So that's a hot, fiery, passionate. And I do, and my kind of uh, human design, I look at with clients too, is that my chakra that's activated that I lead with is my sacral. And that is your feminine glands and your organs. And I call it your, your goddess garden. So that's my energy. My energy and life force is there. And actually you said creativity with your resetters, which is beautiful because create and, and your and your daughter. Creativity for women comes from that area of our body. It, it's that's the the life force energy that we bring forth to give life. And so we could give life to anything that we want and give birth to anything that we want. I don't have children, but I've birthed an amazing book. I have birthed a, mm-hmm. a program. I have, I have birthed new potentials in women that help them rebirth new potentials in themselves and their children. So it's a different way of giving back. But it, as far as the dating for a while, I did notice that a lot of men had a lot of that surface level sexual energy. And I've always had a lot of that from a little... A, a little girl, you know, I learned my parts and how to use them at the age of six. Mm-hmm. I was, and I carried a lot of shame about that, but now I don't. I just realized it's a part of how I came in this world. And some kids yeah. learn early, and that's okay. So I didn't have a lot of direction, but I found it on my own. So I feel like it was a combination of my own energy and the implants. And the irony between what a lot of people talk about, especially men, when women get implants and men start to notice them. They go, oh, stop looking at those. Are you just looking at me for my breasts? And it's like, well, you, you got breasts to be noticed. So then I'm noticing you and now I'm not supposed to notice you. So there's this whole paradox. Interesting. Where it's almost like a symbol of, are you only looking at me for my breasts? And it's still deep rooted in this insecurity that I wasn't enough as I am. And see, I told you they're only noticing me for my breasts. And it keep this, it's keeping this divide between the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. So the moment I got them out, I started attracting different men into my life. And that's what I found very interesting that I'm finding consistent across the board with the women that I'm working with because we're addressing the deepest root, the deepest weeds of shame. Because so many women say, I didn't get breast implants because I was ashamed of my body. I got them because I wanted to be more confident. When you hear that, Mindy, what do you hear? What comes up for you? Yeah, you're not confident that you need to work on. You got to find other ways to become confident is the way I look at that. And there's yeah. so many ways you can become confident. Yeah. And, and feel the, loved. It's also a feel loved. They're not yes. feeling loved. Yes. Yeah. And if, if you, like you said earlier, if your only source of love is through the physical body, you have not learned what you came here to learn in this lifetime. You know, yep. we're soul beings expressed in this physical body and we're a temple it's not, it's meant to be treated like a temple, not a torture chamber. And so yeah. when we treat it like a tor- torture chamber, how we treat ourselves and how we view ourselves is how we're going to, to bring people into this world. And we're going to teach them 
how to treat us based on how we treat ourselves. And yep. so when a woman says, I didn't get them because I had shame about my body, I got them because I wanted to be more confident. Here is the paradox. They're blinded to the fact that they have shame and they don't want to face that because the derivative of not confident about self is feeling shame about a part of self. Interesting. So you're not confident. You're carrying shame about who you think you need to be. So I think it's really about just facing that it's okay that we have shame. It's okay. And to sit with it and go, okay, I was programmed this way. I didn't come out this way. I was programmed and go, where did I get programmed that way? Oh, okay. Then I can start to defrag my computer. Because like you said earlier, you can't just add a bunch of these you know, protocols without having the mindset as the deepest root that creates the strong limbs of the tree. So when you defrag the computer, you have an upgraded system that can then handle the new information. So that's how I like to look at the whole system. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so powerful. I hope you're screaming that message from every rooftop you can find. Is, it, is that in your book? Because women need to hear that. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. And this is why I said earlier before we started this podcast is that you inspire me, Mindy, because there's still parts of me that are hiding. You know, I have a media team and I'm still hiding parts of me out in social media. And I really feel like I, air quotes, should be screaming this from the rooftops. But for so many years, when I have divulged truth, you know, about GMOs being harmful for us, then I got death threats on social media. And then these things, these things cause you to shrink because you're like, I'm sharing truths and what's really happening. And then we get, you know, our voice gets cut off or, you know, the insecurity of not being a doctor and no one's going to listen to me because this or that. They're all just stories. Yeah. So I'm screaming them as far and wide from the rooftop in this link that you're going to share, which is where I'm interviewing 15 beautiful women who have been through this journey, who have all had similar sickness experiences and transformations on the other side where they experience sovereignty and, you know, talking to their former self with the advice that they're going to give. So yeah, it's, it's beginning and I needed a team to support me to get it out there as far as I can. And I appreciate you for spreading oh, the message. Women need to hear it. I, I really, truly believe that like what you're saying, it's so interesting because, you know, prior to this interview, I knew you as the, as the person who had breast implants, got sick, got them out, became passionate about getting toxic beauty out of the, out of women's lives. But now after talking to you, I'm like, wow, there's so much more here that you need to like, you know, put out into the world that women need to hear because it, it is not necessarily toxic beauty. That's the issue. Although it is an issue, it's the mindset that leads women to toxic beauty that can really be healed. So it's incredible. So, okay. Talk to me then you said within a week you were sick. So you get the breast implants, you're sick. And how long does it take you before you figure out they're the breast implants? You know, there was about two weeks where you're just numbed out because you're on pain meds and you're like, oh, I'm feeling loopy and pretty and bumpy and robust and busty. (laughs) Right, I Um, bet. You know, and and, oh, I wanted to make a point because you said something about your previous thought and I'll go into that. You were talking about the toxic beauty and that's toxic beauty. It's what I say below that is the toxic stories and the toxic beliefs, like how we talk to ourselves into sickness. So there's sick, there's sick ways of talking to self. So that's, that's what that. led me there. So it, it, it both need to be addressed, even though you think, oh, I just need to detox. I just need to detox. So there's also the beliefs behind it and that bully within. So within about two weeks, I noticed a, tons of belly bloat. I mean, talk about small intestine bacterial overgrowth. 
And, you know, full transparency, as I always like to be, is I, I had a little bit of belly bloat before, but this just next level belly bloat. And it was constipation, diarrhea, which is so sexy when you're in a bikini standing on stage and all the lights are on your abs and you're just trying to hold back a fart and you just want everybody to see your six pack. <laughs> and you're like, ow. I, I was going to say, you got, you got the implants so you could compete at another level and yeah. now you've got belly bloat. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. And then I got 11th place out of 13. So I, I think that our body always knows when we're betraying it. And it will let us know that. And that was, my body speaks quickly. Like I get downloads from what experiences spirit a lot. But am I going to listen to them? No, not all the time. But wow. that's, you know, I believe that our physical temple is the way that our soul speaks to us. And I say self, I say that symptoms are self-love language from the soul. Mm-hmm. And it's your soul trying to say, hey, something's not right. So I was bloated. I, I had bipolar bowels is what I called it. <laughs> it's like, oh my god you gotta you gotta trademark that that's awesome bipolar bells <laughs> i always say like on my my post just to be cheeky because these things can be really daunting to talk about yeah. heavy right so it's like right do you sometimes suffer with bipolar bells <laughs> yeah right and, and it's like your bowels are doing what they're doing to try to speak to you so i had i had bipolar bells i my hypothyroid uh, symptoms got worse my my extremities my fingers and my toes were really cold, got more cold. I started gaining weight. I started gaining inflammation. And this applies to all the work that you do, Mindy, is that my metabolic function went whack. I became super carbohydrate intolerant. I was not metabolically flexible. I, they had to change my diet so much around that time to try to keep the weight off. But I just believe that whole time for 10 years, I was fighting inflammation and it was though I had this firefighter and then teams of firefighters that needed to fight inflammation all the time inside of me. So I literally couldn't not work out every day because if I didn't, I would have this big bowling ball shaped face, which as you guys might know, that's a sign of thyroid dysfunction, which I already had a little bit of symptoms before, but then they just exploded. So I had that for a long time. Now I could go without working out for a week and I actually lose weight. So that's for a lot of women out there who were like, I'm having a hard time losing weight. It's you're just fighting this fire inside that something is just these ticking time. That's why this is a picture here of ticking time bombs on the cover. Oh, I didn't notice. That's awesome. Yeah. Excellent cover. Yeah. Guys can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but we'll we'll put a clip on Instagram of it and what she's pointing at. It's awesome. Yeah. And those little bombs, they set off all of the, this, this, it's like a wildfire that just continues to grow. And no matter how much money you've spent, which ladies, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on chiropractors, acupuncturists, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, stem cell, PRP. I mean, I'm like Mindy, I'm, I love biohacking, but when you're biohacking with these things inside of you that every woman has a autoimmune reaction to mm-hmm. every because it forms these shells around your implants. And inside of those shells, your body can never get to what's contained in between the implants and this shell that the body, this capsule the body creates around it. That's where a lot of bacteria can thrive. It's just like a root canal. You know, that bacteria just sits up there or cavitations. It can't leave. The antibiotics can't ever get to it. And calcification forms. So then you end up with high tissue calcification and then you have slow meta- metabolism and metabolic dysfunction and fasting yep. does help, but really you can't go as deep 
with Mindy or me or anybody with your programs with these in your body because your body's trying to push them out. My secretory IgA, which I don't know if you test this stuff, Mindy, but on my stool test, that is the immune system gold standard. Yep. Optimal is like 1,200, 1,500 on the test that I use. Mine was 44. Wow. And I was like, that's the lowest that I've seen. So because of that, I had candida overgrowth. I had parasites galore. Those are fun, especially when you take pictures of them coming out of you. Good Lord. I had tons of bacterial overgrowth, not just placebo, but systemically. I had leaky gut. I was fighting food sensitivities, chemical intolerances, people intolerances. I couldn't even stand myself. I just, toward the end of it, I couldn't handle being human. I was at the point where I was like, I want to die. I I don't want to live anymore. I was 15 pounds of inflammation. I found lumps all over my breast, which was my moment. My moment was I was sitting in the sauna and I was palpating my breasts. I was feeling my breasts and I felt lumps all over them. And they were huge. They were about an E cup at that time. And I felt the lump terrible. I couldn't fit in even my clothes or my bras anymore. And I said, am I dying right now? Am I, is this breast cancer? Did I set myself up to literally die in the name of beauty? And that was the moment for me that the spiritual downloads came through. And I was the hot mess on the floor in my sauna with just sweat and tears and snot and just crying. And that was my surrender, hit the wall, break even point where I was like, if I don't do something about this now, I don't know if I can come back because these implants have been known to increase the incidence and likelihood of depression and suicide by up to four times. A huge study of over 100,000 women was performed up to 800% increased risk of autoimmune disease, especially rheumatoid arthritis, especially having your fingers really cold and having fibromyalgia, extremity complaints. And these are not just things that I complained of. I've had many women who wanted to die come to me and they were almost near death and we brought them back to life. And guess what? Their children, their babies were showing the same levels of bacteria, bacterial imbalance that they did. And so when we started looking at this, we went the breastfeeding that they are struggling with because women have struggles with breastfeeding, with stillbirth. I'm not saying every woman, but a lot of them do. And that passes through the breast milk into the baby. And what you'll hear out there is that there's no known proof or scientific evidence that states that. And what those are, are short-term studies. They're not long-term. They are throwing out these studies. They are burning them. They're discarding women who have been inside of these research groups, at least the ones who are standing to prove a point for the beauty industry, for the implants that profit from these implants. And they'll say, oh no, 100% of women or 98% of women or whatever. But they throw out the women who didn't have positive things to say. So things are being skewed so much today. And that's what pisses me off is that the truth is not being divulged, but I'm here to deliver truth so that you can make your own decision on maybe what your body is saying to you. And if you have implants or Botox, we haven't talked about that too. Yeah. And I want to talk about Botox because I'll tell you that in my circle of friends who are 50 plus, many of them dive into Botox. I want to point out that your story is about breast implants, but everything that you mentioned is, and all those symptoms is a story of toxicity. Yes. And what is, we're seeing across hundreds of thousands of people on our platforms is that 
women are getting frustrated with why am I feeling bad? Why am I not losing weight? Why am I not sleeping? And they're giving it labels like menopause or they're giving it labels like genetics or, and what they don't realize is that toxins, whether it's Botox, breast implants, amalgam fillings, uh, glyphosate, you know, heavy metals, they're all being stored in your tissues. And for women, it's even more dangerous because as hormones change, they come out of the tissues and they start to destroy your health. So your story is every woman's story, so many women's stories. Yours just happen to be breast implants. And I just, I really want to hammer that point home because it's easy to listen to you and go, oh, thank God I didn't get breast implants. But it's bigger than that. And yeah, and talk about Botox, please, because I just, if anybody's doing Botox, please, I want you to just, it's rat poison. It's, and it's a long-term path. It's a short, it's, it's a short-term result for a long-term consequence. Yeah. Botox is actually something that I was doing three to four years ago before I decided that my breast implants might be the cause of it. And I didn't know that Botox was even harmful because, and I hear you ladies, you go out there, it's heavily marketed and it's normalized and there's Botox parties and especially in Orange County, I was just like, oh, it's just the thing to do. It's like getting coffee in the morning, you just do it. And I caved into that too. And so these are a lot of conversations I had to have with myself. It's like, why is this important to me? I wasn't even insecure about my wrinkles. I just thought, oh, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, okay, I guess I'll try it. I experienced even greater downfall of my health when I did Botox. And until I did the research on it, I couldn't put two and two together because no one had been talking about this. And I want to blast this as well. Botox was used, it's botulinum toxin, was used in the Gulf War to poison the opponents and so that they would not be able to fight back. And what I mean by poison is that it freezes them. Mm -hmm. Botox is known, botulinum toxin in Botox is known to freeze and paralyze our organs. And they've said for a long time, oh, Botox doesn't cross any part of the blood-brain barrier. It It doesn't move. It stays localized. Intuitively, as a practitioner, as a doctor, it's like, wait a second. These pockets of skin are not disconnected from the body. Allopathic Western medicine says, like you said earlier, let's look at this one branch of the tree and let's just focus this one little leaf that's coming off it. That's not how real holistic healing works. So it actually does spread. It says on the label, which we're not trained to do. We just blindly trust there as well. Yep. This botulinum toxin will move throughout your body. I have had tons, if not hundreds of people reaching out to me with stories. And all of this is included in a link that I can send to you where I wrote and did an article on this, is that it travels to parts of your body. It, travel, it travels to your heart. It travels to your kidneys. It travels to your colon, travels to your lungs travels to your brain and it will paralyze those, not completely, but it slows them down and it starts to slow them down so much that we now have women who are super constipated. They're having urinary tract infections, chronic acute kidney infections that they feel like they can't take a deep breath. That's the biggest thing that people report with Botox illness is that they can't take a deep breath. I have suffered from that for a long time and I've spent a ton of money. I don't know how much money you guys have, to combat the side effects of Botox, but we're talking tens of thousands of dollars 
making my way to hundreds of thousands with the Botox component of this. It is unknown whether Botox or even silicone or plastic can even leave the body ever. So Botox can paralyze these organs. And when you can't remove waste, which 70% of the waste that we expel is through our breath. And if our lungs are paralyzed, we're not able to breathe that well. And about 7% of it, 8% of it leaves through our bowels. Another 20% of it leaves through the sweat. And like 5% of it or so around there leaves through the kidneys. That's responsible for detox. You're going to get sick and chronic fatigue and chronic illness everywhere, which is what half of people at least today have at least one chronic disease. That's crazy. So, and again, I, I hope you guys are hearing this and putting it all under the category of toxic beauty because that's something that um, as women, I love that we started this off by talking about the mindset that is broken that leads to toxic beauty. And I, I, if you're having some ahas, let's sort of move the conversation into, okay, how did you undo all of this? Like what, once you realize that the toxic beauty was really destroying your health, what, how, how do you pull yourself out of that and how do you unwind it? Yeah. Well, when I realized that Botox was a big part of my journey, I dove deep into the research, but that wasn't, you know, three years ago and I was really struggling. I didn't know better. And I took <sighs> so miserable that I was itching my skin to the point of bleeding in the middle of the night. And I, I have pictures of all of this too in my blogs and in my, my book. I had red puffy eyes and I looked like a raccoon. And my skin, I was itching so bad on my neck that I had these big cysts and postules. And I, I aged very quickly in my neck because of how much I was itching it. So I thinned my skin because I was... Do- this happened for... It went on for two years. And I went back and looked at all the records and logs of when I did Botox, which was I think three or four times. And every time within a couple of weeks after was when I got really, really sick. I also dyed my hair pink. I thought that'd be fun. I got really sick from that. So I was... And I have methylation. I have double homozygous for MTHFR, which isn't like a death sentence. But just to know that your body's impaired. And I took Accutane when I was 18 years old oh twice. Oh my gosh. Yeah, your toxic so, bucket was so full. <laughs> yeah, it was so full. And so the beauty things that I was doing, like the Botox and the breast implants, that was just the the last thing that like blew up my volcano and I erupted. So I did the two rounds of prednisone because I was miserable. And I, I never wish prednisone on anybody. I helped lots of clients get off of prednisone. But that was the only thing that was working. No over-the-counters no antihistamines, no creams, no essential oils, nothing was working. I had to go with the big gun uh, prescriptions because I was working with the big gun toxins that were man-made, right? right? So after all of that and the things started to clear, I got my breast implants out. I stopped doing Botox two years ago, probably. I just stopped doing it. And I realized that there we don't even have any research that says we can detox Botox. The, the, the science thinks and, and so far sees that Botox won't leave the body completely, even though they say it leaves out the body at a, you know, six months. The thing about Botox, you have to keep going back for more and more and more and more and more and more and more. That costs you more, costs you your health, and it costs you your children's health if you're breastfeeding and trying to have babies. So I've been doing you know, a ton of work on detox. I infrared sauna three times a week at least. Uh, is that what you're asking, Mindy, about the... Yeah, topic? yeah. Like it just to get, help our listeners, if they're resonating with your journey, like... You know, mm-hmm. what, like what did it, once you got the, the breast implants out, what, you know, what did the process look like? How long did it take? Did you feel better the minute you got the breast, Im, breast implants out? And how did you unwind this scenario for yourself? Yeah. So May 31st of 2019 is when I had them removed. 
And I did do what's called fat transfer. And if I could give you some advice on that, anybody who's listening, and this could be anybody who wants, who's still really considering breast implants, that there is something called fat transfer out there where you can have pockets of fat. I mean, this is something that everyone's a woman's dream, right? But I also don't recommend it is to have pockets of fat removed from areas of your body and they can move it up into your breasts to rebuild them. Women who have had a mastectomy and they don't have breasts anymore, this is an option, but it does require like four or five procedures to do it. So it does cost a lot of money to do fat transfers to rebuild your breasts. So that is out there too. I talk about that in my book as well. Women who are just insecure about their breasts, you can do a fat transfer if you want, but I, I myself did fat transfer, breast implant removal, and a lift which at first I was really stoked about. Like I saw my new breasts a couple days after and I was like, wow, they look so great. And they were perky and my boobs were no longer, my nipples were no longer downward facing dogs, nipples pointing to the ground. They were in the middle again. And I felt lighter. I just felt a ton lighter. I bet. Um, it was a tough surgery. So I wasn't able to be super excited. It was very tough because they put these draining tubes in you. My parents were there to take care of me. Thank God, my angels. And it was it was one of the most painful experiences I've ever experienced in my life. So I talk about the what kinds of procedures are available possible for you in my book. But then after that, within like six weeks, I dropped 15 pounds, Mindy. Crazy. Six weeks, I went from 148 to 133. And I was like, I feel really good right now. So I was able to start moving around again. I, t- I climbed to the top of Mount Whitney and I took my sports bra off on the way to the top. And I was like, I'm free. <laughs> and it felt so good just to be me again. I felt so light. I've had chiropractic adjustments every week for 20 years. I didn't need them every week anymore because I, I was going to say my shoulders. You're probably holding yeah. without all that toxicity too. You probably hold your adjustments better. Absolutely. Because my ribs toward the end were always out on the right side. I was having more problems with my right breast. Uh, a lot of women's implants rupture, bleed, or completely, you know, maybe they have a little bit of a leak. Mine didn't show that on my MRI. But they, they, most of them all eventually bleed because that's the part, that's the process of um, having them in your body. So they heat them up. So I, I started doing a lot more physical activity. And within a couple of weeks after my climb to the top of Mount Whitney, I decided I wanted to try to play soccer again with one of my friends, uh, Robbie Richmond. And I was out playing. I didn't do anything spectacular like a slide tackle or like a bicycle kick or anything cool. I just received the ball and I turned and I felt my Achilles tendon snap and I thought someone kicked me. And what I discovered in that process, because I had to have a surgery where now a cadaver lives in my ankle and it's still absolutely swollen. One year later, I might need to have another surgery because my body might be rejecting this piece that was put inside of me. And I'm not saying this, you know, just because it's my journey. This is a lot of women's journey. When they take them out, then uh, their body starts to adjust. So it's really important to be supported and held and readjusting, helping to heal your tissues. About 70% of symptoms with the women are reported to leave once they get them out, which I could definitely vouch for. But I was also doing a lot of work to detox, similar to the program that you use with, you know, cytodetox and cellular detox. A lot of these things I was using, which supported a lot, but I also work with that mindset piece and that shame piece. Then I went in for you know another surgery to have the Achilles tendon improved. And then that got infected. I had to have a third surgery that year. So it was my second Achilles tendon surgery. I had taken fluoroquinolones in the form of Cipro 
the year before because I was traveling through Peru and got a parasite. I didn't know that Cipro was a fluoroquinolone. That actually increases your rupture likelihood of your Achilles tendon significantly. And so my point is, please stop just taking drugs and trusting or just putting things inside of you and just trusting. If you look at the research on all this stuff, it's not easy to find. But when you start hearing people suffer from all these things I've talked about today, it just gets you curious. What, could, what is my body trying to say? And how could I listen to it and heal it with the wisdom of mother nature and people who've been there before without adding more insult to injury, literally, because now maybe I have to go in for a third surgery on this thing, because again, another foreign object in my body is... I've gone through a lot of suffering and I want to share it with you so that you don't have to go through the same thank thing. Thank you. And I and I, oh, I thank you for, again, I'm going to, if you ever need somebody to encourage you to stand up, if you ever let social media knock you down, you just call me <laughs> and I will be your biggest advocate to just keep telling your story because women need to hear this. And I want women to understand that what I hear in your story is you just lived the 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 way that the world taught you to live you were programmed one way you you took medication you did the beauty things because it's what we call an outside in world you lived in this the the outside world conditioned how you lived and you didn't question anything until you got really sick and we see this over and over and over again so um, I could talk to you for hours I have so many more questions um, I'm going to point everybody to your book. I do want to finish up on five questions that are that okay. four of which are customized for you. One of which I ask all my I'll ask all my my guests. Okay, everything you know about beauty products now. What is your favorite natural beauty product? It's not a supplement. Is that okay? It's, it's anything. It's wide open. Okay. okay. Whatever moves you. This is so tough because. I'm in between two things, which is colonics and saunas. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, so those are your favorite. Colonics and saunas are your favorite natural yeah. product right now. Okay, love yeah. it. Yeah. Now that you know everything, here's question number two. Now that you know everything about toxic beauty, what was the hardest toxic beauty product or behavior to give up? Ooh, these are really good, Mindy. <laughs> I'm a deep thinker. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love deep thinking. Yeah. Okay. This wasn't beauty. This was mood management, which actually helped me cope with life. I started to really develop an addiction to narco. Ah, interesting. This whole thing. And it was numbing out my shame based thoughts that I wasn't beautiful or that I needed to fix things. It just calmed me down. It calmed down the bully brain. That was something that I eventually ended up replacing with nature. So it was something that calmed me and calmed the bully within, which I tie that to beauty. It's not directly related to beauty, but if I need directly related to beauty for my bodybuilding competitions and things, I, I was using this, these procedures that freeze your fat and they come back, it comes back. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a temporary thing, procedure. And other than that, you know, Botox and stuff numbing. So yeah, yeah right. those are, that's right. a tough question. Okay. Okay. If, if you had a, thousands of women in front of you right now, 
And mm-hmm. you wanted to tell them one toxic beauty product to give out, to, to throw away. And since we talked about mindset too, I'll say maybe it's a toxic thought that everybody should throw out of their life. What would that be? Absolutely. The toxic thoughts, the toxic stories that you need to wear a mask and to cover up your gray and to cover up the pimples. We're covering up your body's language, self-love from the soul language in the form of symptoms. And we are literally putting masking tape over those symptoms. It's like an inner child that's speaking to you that's saying, mommy, I'm hurting. And you sit it in the corner and tell it to shut the hell up. And so we apply all these synthetic parabens and phthalates and talc and artificial colors and titanium dioxide and there's so many things that are in toxic beauty products that the deepest, deepest root is that we need to hide ourselves to mask and to fit in. I think the mask is a very interesting metaphor for 2022. How many right, masks I was gonna do say. you wear? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. Yeah. And then what is the one, ma- one thing that you feel like every woman should have in their beauty repertoire whether mm-hmm. it's a product or a thought or a thought, what would be the one thing that would be natural, healthy, and that you would include, you would encourage them to have? I think that right now the lymphatic system is the most underutilized system to help support detoxification and drainage. And also the disorders that come from the backup of toxins, which is a toxic mind and brain fog and Alzheimer's and ADD and all the other things that are happening in our mind as a result of the backup from toxicity. So I love, I definitely love things like dry brushing, but I'm also aware that, you know, unless our detox pathways are open, dry brushing is only going to dump toxins into a already backed up traffic jam. So lymphatic drainage is really important to me. So I think that that's uh, dry brushing when you're also adding it into systems that you're getting your bowels moving, which is why I also love, you know, colonics. But the way, the best way to get your lymphatic moving is to get moving, is to get outside and exercise. I don't like to lean into the products as much as I like to lean into just what we're underutilizing already as it is, which is easy stuff that doesn't cost money that you get out in nature, you ground, you lay in the, lay in nature, you hug a tree. And I sound like a hippie. I do shave my armpits. But Although the hair, the hair actually serves a purpose for detoxification. Sure does. <laughs> but I now. shave mine too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's, I, I tend to go back to just Mother Nature. You wow. know, I, I could list all the products. You know, in which it doesn't look so pretty when I'm showing you this. But here's a cool thing that that Mindy will share with you too. I was going to say, so yeah, it's a. It says, yeah. "Are toxins the root of your symptoms?" So she has some great giveaways. So please, you guys, look in the notes and make sure you get them. So, okay, my last question, this is what I ask everybody. If you had one message for the world that you could implant in everybody's brain, you could shout it from every rooftop, every mountain, and you could get everybody to buy into this message and understand this message, what would it be? I think about beauty and I think about what beauty really is and the gift and the miracle that is this life, that beauty really is the relentless pursuit to fulfill one's life purpose in the name of loving all that is, all of the imperfections, all of the imbalances, all of the messages that come forth, that you learn to love everything that comes before you 
and that you see them as what's happening for you and as, as a result of what's being attracted through you to see life as a lesson and a teacher so that you can literally live in gratitude with everything that's presented in front of you and that you could take accountability and ownership for it and go, hmm, must have attracted that. I wonder why. And to get curious about it. Beauty is the work that you came to do here in the world. And as long as you're tethered to these prison bars of who you think you're supposed to be, you're not speaking your mission. You're not speaking your voice. And if you really want to do good in the world and to save the world, air quotes, you start with saving your inner world. And that is absolutely not selfish. This is how we find our purpose is to walk through suffering. And so to face yourself in the darkest of times and to love every bit of you and all of the shadows and walk through pain, that's where you find the beauty and the miracles and the purpose. I think that might've been the most favorite, my most favorite thing you've said this whole podcast. I, like, <laughs> re, I think you need to do hashtag rebrand beauty. Like, yeah. like rebrand beauty. Beauty's not external, beauty's internal. It's the work you do on yourself. I like I feel like I could cry. That was beautiful. Beautiful. So yeah, and it was beauty. <laughs> yeah, right. It was beautiful to my soul. So thank you so much. This thank you for going deep with us. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your journey. And I just hope so many women get inspiration from your story. And it takes a lot to stand up and say that you did it wrong and now you're doing it right and life will be different. So thank you so much. Appreciate mm. it, Diane. You're amazing. It's pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you for making this important for your listeners too. Yeah. All right, Resetters, Jessica here. And I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I think it's actually probably one of my favorite episodes we've done to date. And on the subject of beauty, I want to talk to you about toxic beauty products. There are so many products out there that if you just scanned, and I think we discussed it in this episode, the EWG or the Think Dirty app, if you scan your products, you would be shocked at how many, you know, good or organic or natural products are actually extremely toxic. So a couple of weeks back, I came across that I've got a ton of little brands that I like that carry organic, clean, non-chemical, non-toxic products. But I came across this company a couple of weeks back called the Detox Market. And it's an amazing store. They have in-person stores and then they have an amazing online site. And I think there's only like seven stores that they have in... I want to say New York, LA, and Santa Monica, maybe a couple other places. You'll have to check them out. But the owner of the detox market uh, discovered back in 2010 after a close friend was diagnosed with cancer just how toxic our beauty products are. And so each brand that they carry on their website has to be, is required to be free of banned ingredients that are known to be carcinogenic, that are known to cause reproductive harm, neurotoxicity, environmental harm, organ toxicity, DNA cell damage, allergens, and that are endocrine disrupting. Yes, your beauty products, if you have not looked into this, probably have all of those things. The big guys out there, like they're all super toxic. So the detox market carries over 50 brands, including some of my personal favorites that I've been using for a long time, such as 100% Pure. You've heard us talk about Osea before. I love Osea. They carry Evolve, which is our go-to brand for shampoos, conditioners, hairsprays, basically all things hair. 
herbivore, which I've used for a couple of years. It's a cute little boutique based out of Seattle. Raw elements. They have amazing tools such as face rollers and dry brushes. Literally anything that you could think of for skincare, makeup, wellness, beauty. The Detox Market has it online or in their store. So what I do wanted to share with you though today is something that they're offering. They have a, every month they do a detox box. And so every month they feature a different brand. And just like supplements and food, we should also be cycling brands that we use in skincare and things on our face so that we're, we're always opening ourselves up to different bacteria, to different different things. So one of my favorite things is their detox box because every month they feature a brand of the month. And so you get over $90 worth of clean beauty products for only $55. Well, actually, they have a couple different levels. I signed up for their six six month membership, which I think gets you about forty dollars a box. But they have different levels that you can go check out, and it's how I've discovered some of my new favorite brands. It's how I've discovered really nice clean sunscreen. I highly recommend it. And today they are offering our listeners ten percent off your first order when you use the link in the show notes. It's a really weird link, so I'm not going to say it out loud. So go to the show notes. Click on the link and they're offering 10% off. And if you get a box or you try some of their products, tag us in it, let us know. But let's just all consciously start taking small steps toward avoiding toxins of all kind. Okay, resetters. I'm going to be really transparent and tell you that my plan with this interview was to really go down the path of, I wanted her to talk about the toxins that were in breast implants. I I wanted her to go into the Botox. I wanted her to go into more of the hardcore toxins that we're getting exposed to with beauty. And I, I quickly figured out as she started to talk how important her message was around the programming and the thought process that is leading so many women to feel the need to gravitate to the toxic beauty and that has to get out to the world. Yeah. So I, I stayed there with... More. She had something way more important to say than the ins and outs of a breast plant removal process. Yeah. It, I mean, I, it, you're, if you're listening to this, the podcast's already been produced <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm trying to already figure out what the heck we're going to title this thing because she's known in the health influencing world as the one who got breast implant illness, but her message to all of us is so much bigger. And I, I for me, the programming was probably the biggest because I feel like I grew up as a tomboy trying to fit into a world that really applauded the feminine. And I wanted to fit into that world, but I also wanted to be an athlete and I wanted to wear jeans and not wear a dress and do things like that because that felt more innate for me. And I look at how I changed a lot of my behaviors as I got older to fit the programming of the world. And I know you were a tomboy as well, Jess, when you were- Well, and I was also- 10 years after, like I was the next, right. So I was the next one. So I didn't, I can't relate into what it's like growing up looking. I like, I felt like I had women to look to, to be like, to embrace my competitiveness and still be a girl and have like that feminine aspect. I also grew up in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, nobody knew about this stuff. Like I still consider like even living here, like, oh my gosh, like what are the people doing here? People in boondock nowhere don't know anything about 
I mean, I was just a different culture growing up, yeah, but I felt like I still sure. had like feminine people to look to like Carrie Walsh. I remember Carrie Walsh being like my idol. Like I'd never had that thought that I couldn't be competitive and athletic and be feminine. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, literally my only, the only person I had to look to was Chris Ebert. I didn't, I can't even, now of course you had Martina Navratilova and you had Billie Jean, but Chris Everett was the moment of the day. And I was like, I want to be like her. She's athletic and she's feminine. So that would fit what I innately feel, but it also fits the programming of the world. Why don't I be like her? Right. I didn't have the, the women's soccer team. I didn't have Brandy Chastain and Mia Hamm right. and people like that and all the others that have fall, followed behind them. But so I, I, I just want to point out if you're still listening here that that is so important because one of the things that we do in our office is we detox people and we are passionate about this and in such a big way. And what I learned from this podcast is that one of the things we're going to start working with our people on is the mindset that uh, and the programming that got you into the toxic state in the first place. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much because, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but I do have people very close in my life that have implants or have gone who, or are doing toxic products or doing all these things to keep their keep young and beautiful and whatever it is that they're looking at. And I can see the mindset behind them. So it's hard for me to watch them do that because I can see where it's broken. I can see where the mindset is broken that needs to be fixed. So in listening to her talk about this, yes, like I see, I see it so clear that, you know, the, the implants and the Botox and the, like the makeup and the tattooing of things and the more plastic surgery, like it's just a, like, there's no self-love there. And I can see it very clear in some of these people that there's just that missing self, self-love. So do you think when people then, I mean, because you're in the trenches with me, with people detoxing, do you think that it, once people realize, oh, my behaviors have gotten me so toxic, when I pull these toxins out, I will now not only be healthy, but I think there's a subconscious belief of like, I will, f- I will feel enough. I will feel loved. Like there's an emotional piece that they attach to the outcome of their health once they go through the detox process. Yeah. I think some people do. And then I think some people subconsciously they're struggling through the detox or they're, or they're not taking the supplements or they're doing, they're self-sabotaging themselves because I don't think they know what it's going to be like to be the person of not being a victim. I mean, we get really sick people sometimes and I've seen this like, you know, with, again, with people close to me that when you stay in that victim mentality of your sickness or your illness, you get love. I mean, people take care of you and people bring you places and people pick up whatever you need and, and people call you more, whatever it is that now, if you fix that broken part, what does your life look like on the other side of that? Yeah. And and it's all that outward in still, because if you think about that, that's all outward love being given to you when you're in that victim mentality. So once you, once you're fine, once you're well, once you're healed, what's left for you. And it just like goes back to that, not loving yourself enough. 
who will you be if you didn't have that as right. a shield? It's like a like an exterior carry around that you you can't, you can't lose weight, you can't sleep, you're going through menopause. Like all of those become your identity. Yeah. But what happens when you pull that identity away is that you're left with the thoughts that were broken in the first place that are painful. And I I wish I was skilled to help people with that. We should bring somebody on the podcast that could really like talk through how you deal with those deep, deep emotions when you realize that there's more to your health problems than just the physical toxic piece. What do you do when you realize that there's that emotional piece? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you and I are not really equipped to handle that, that portion of it. But I mean, I feel like if you're like sitting here right now, listening to this, there are just, I mean, re-listening to this over and over again and just replaying that in your brain. And then I think of the podcast that we just listened to with Lisa Nichols and her talking about her self-sabotaging of how she could never lose weight because it was like an identity issue that she didn't feel like she could love herself if she lost the weight. But I just feel like there's so much, so many great people out there to go listen to, to just start changing that self-talk. Yeah. But for sure, we should bring somebody on. Yeah. And I think, you know, I the way I've always been taught is sometimes it's just the awareness. Yeah. Once you're aware of it, like I had a really interesting experience with toxic beauty through this pandemic because we haven't been able to get our facials. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we both go to an, a woman who is an organic esthetician. We adore her. And she is not coming out of quarantine. I don't blame her. Everybody's in her, you know, in each other's face. And I'm watching the wrinkles grow on my on my head. And I'm like, damn, why won't she come out? And then I had a friend say to me, Oh, well, I have a I have an esthetician. I have a woman who does facials, and she'll come to your home and do them. And she doesn't mind doing them. And I, my first thing that I said to her to my friend was, Does she use natural products? And she's like, I don't think so. But one time, wouldn't one time be okay for you to do? And I, my response to her was, I have worked so hard to balance my hormones. I am not willing to step back into that. And part of what I realized is it's the frustration or the mindset that, that I fear that what if I go and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, all my wrinkles are gone. And I'm like, well, why don't I do it one more, more time and one more time? I am very clear that I am going to age with natural beauty. That is my path. And I am the, it's like a slippery slope the minute you step out of that. Because once, like her experience with her breasts, once you start looking a certain way, people are going to give you feedback that will click you back into that programming. Well, that like one time, it's just going to be this one time mental programming. Just then you're not all, you're like quitting on yourself. It gives yourself permission to quit on you. And so yeah. then it becomes really easy to just do it again and again and again with different areas of your life. But I don't, it, the wrinkles are so funny because I don't like nobody else is thinking about your wrinkles on your forehead. Like I don't ever look at you and think, gosh, Mindy, your wrinkles on your forehead are getting <laughs> out of control. Like that's so funny. You know what I mean? It's like your own, it's yeah. your own self. It's totally, yeah. You know what? I was, I was looking something up online the other day. Um, trying to, I think I was trying to find our website to go and, and grab a link for somebody. Anyways, when I typed in Dr. Mindy Pels, you know, it shows you what everybody searches, searches for. Yeah. And one of the things is Dr. Mindy Pels' age. And I was like, oh, 
wonder why they're searching my age. And then I was like, of course, the self-doubt kicked in. I'm like, I wonder, is it because I look old? I bet I look old. But, <laughs> right? And then like an hour or two later, I was like, well, maybe they think I look young. <laughs> well, so, I would say the opposite because everybody says you they want as much energy as you have. And I'm like, that's yes. what I think of when I see it. You know what we should do? Have you seen the, the YouTube videos where they take famous people and they like uncover the last half of whatever is in the Google? So it's like, I watched it with the other day with Jennifer Aniston. Does Jennifer Aniston and they cover the end. And so then she's got to tear it off and say, like, answer the question. I feel like we should do that with you. This would make a great interview. Like, what my, that. like you're just yeah. going to ask me all the, the top things yeah. that people have Googled. Oh my God, that would be funny. Everybody's that prepared. Be, I think that would yeah, be pretty funny. I'm doing it actually. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, resetters, you guys, if you resonated with this, please send it out. This is this was really one of the most important conversations for women, especially that we have had. Like I said, we went into this thinking we'd talk toxins, and yet the programming and the shaming and the feeling behind why we use the toxins is so important. And I'm so grateful to Diane for getting it out. So. Hope you all enjoyed us. Give us feedback. Let us know. Come come find us on social media. Share a review. Give us an update on what you thought. You put the whole foods in. You take all empty foods out. You put organic food in. And you shake bad toxins out. You eat ketobiotic and your microbiome shouts. That's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in. Out. You download Carb Manager where your food is all graphed out. That's what it's all about. That's what resetting is all about.